Round one of the 2024 Six Nations did not exactly go to script as both England and Scotland cut their wins pretty close and Ireland upset France in Marseille. Joining myself and the columnist today to look back on those matches as well as look ahead to round two and pay tribute to Welsh rugby great Barry John is Welsh rugby and commentary legend Jonathan Davis. So the first week of the Six Nations arguably did not go to script. Um, it certainly didn't go to the script that the Rugby Paper podcast wrote in, if our predictions were anything to go by. Um, Ireland took a huge step to becoming the first ever back-to-back Grand Slam champions. An England performance that has divided opinion. And of course, the game of the weekend in Cardiff, which left somehow left no real winner, um, which you wouldn't have thought with Scotland 27-0 up with 37 minutes to go. Um Joining us to discuss all that is returning guest and Welsh rugby and commentary legend, Jonathan Davis. How are you, Jiffy? I'm good, thank you very much. It's uh, horrendous weather here at the moment, but uh, yeah, nice. Enjoy the enjoy the first weekend. Well, it's good to see you. And week, you said week to week you're filming and then weekends you're Six Nations at the moment? Yeah, well, as, as for all of us, it gets a bit busy this time of year, doesn't it? So, um, yeah, we're filming uh, the Jonathan show at the moment. And uh, look, look, look who's sat there. Say hello. Ah, a guest in a few. He's on. He's on in a couple of weeks. <laughs> he's on in a couple of years. He won't get us. He's my twin brother, really. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, Nigel's on. Um, I think it's week nine of the Six Nations, so just after the end of the tournament. So we'll look forward wow. to seeing him then. Um, you're right. It is very, very busy, and obviously, I'll ask you about um, Cardiff in a second. The sort of priority, first of all, today is. There have been some. There's been some very bad news coming out of the rugby world. Uh, the day after that famous Scotland win in Cardiff, it was announced that fly half Barry John had very sadly passed away at the age of 79 at the University Hospital of Wales. Jiffy, there aren't many people who are better played to speak about Barry. You watched him growing up. You went to the same school as him as well. So I'll just hand over to you. Yeah. Yeah, it was all you know when you when you when you walk into the gates of Gwynedd Grammar School, there's uh, and, and you see the there's Carwin James, Barry John, and Gareth Davis. You know, my predecessors uh, all on the wall. So there's no pressure on a young kid, you know, going into that school. Um, it's but it, the, the fortunate thing about growing up in Wales, you know, Barry, although he moved to Cardiff, he only lived. I, I went to live in the same village as him, Kevin I did. So he's only. You know, ten miles away from Trumsaren. Phil Bennett is only five miles away from Trumsaren. So, you know, you grow up watching these, whether it's on television or live, um, and it's just they're an inspiration because you know, if they can if they can do it from their backgrounds, why can't you know why can't we do it? So, and then when you meet them, you know, they're just great blokes. They're genuinely real nice people, rugby people with time for everyone. And uh, yeah, it's been it's been difficult, you know, the last few years with with, with Eddie Butler going and Benny going, Jerry uh, JPR going, Di Watkins going, you know, it's it's and now Barry. So it's um you know the, those are the, the big names that, that have gone Ben Price. So it's a it's a generation of superstars, you know, that have that have passed away. So it's uh, it's been very, very sad and the you know, I've, I've done too many of these interviews now, to be honest. I think that's, well, I suppose that's testament, all these names that you're mentioning, um, that, you know, many of them we've discussed <laughs> the podcast following their passing. Yeah, yeah. Testament the golden generation of Wales that it was as well, because you mentioned as soon as Barry John retired, and he only retired at 27, Phil Bennett was there. So it really was a golden yeah. generation of Wales. Yeah, yeah. 
Very lucky. No, very, very lucky. Um, Chris, when I was sort of obviously, um, when I saw the news, I obviously, you know, did some extra reading around Barry John as well. And something that a lot of people are surprised by, obviously, his reputation precedes him. A six-year career is not long. He was um, he was in the George Best ilk in terms of the fame not necessarily sitting right with him, which for many led to an early retirement at 27. But the fact that he left such a legacy in in a six-year career, is it the most efficient legacy a player's ever left? Well, of course, there was a lot less test rugby in those days. Um and Crikey, when he retired, I, I would only have been sort of 12 or 13 myself. Um, but good, but I was brought up in a rugby area, not didn't throw up quite as many um, superstars as Jonathan's area. It threw up Chilcot, um, which is which is which is a different kettle of fish, really. Um, uh, but Jerry Gus got on those people. But gr- growing up. And and getting into rugby really, and 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 sort of moving out of this that sort of early childhood football obsession, and finding other sports that maybe had a bigger effect on me. Um, I mean, Barry was he was a giant of a name, and what quickly became clear, even for, to the uneducated eye, which many would argue I still have, um, but there there was, I mean, he was clearly a master of what he did. There was there was great mastery. But there was a mystery about him. That was that was the thing. He did what appeared to be quite simple things, and you couldn't quite work out how he'd done them. And I I think back to Jonathan's commentary um, on the game at the weekend. And v- very often, Jonathan, I mean, in fact, you often talk about the simple things. Do the simple things. This is obvious. Do this, do this, do this. And Barry John understood the simple thing. And to understand the simple thing as well as Barry did and maybe as well as Jonathan did and, and Benny and the other really great Welsh fly house. That's quite a difficult thing. It's difficult to be that easy. Um, but once you've mastered it, you've mastered the game. And Barry mastered the Barry mastered the game. I mean, there are a hell of a lot of clips on YouTube of him creating stuff for other people. Not so many of him scoring himself, although he scores some beauties. But Crikey, he didn't have to create for other people. And, of course, he had the wonderful kicking game as well. Whoever it was said he had the knack of appearing in a room without using the door, had it about right. He There was something slightly mystical, not in a religious sense, but something that was very, something indefinable about what he was able to do. And that and that's that's to be treasured because that doesn't come along very often. I think it's very, you know, Ollie, it's, when you say it, he's... He's a type of guy where he ghosted on the field and he, he had graceful and style. And when you, you know, you're Di Watkins or, or Phil Bennett, they were jinky times a guy, explosive player. Gareth was slightly different. He just ghosted and swerved and ball in two hands. And, you know, he, he just made, it's like any other sportsman. If, you, if you've got time on, on the ball in whatever sport you play, then you know you're, you're a special player, and then you know Barry certainly was. And I was very lucky. You know, I I met him for a, you know a couple of beers with his two brothers, two very good rugby players as well. And just to sit there and listen to them talk was 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 an education in itself. Um, he, he sort of made time as well as space, and he sort of played in slow motion, and yeah. you couldn't work it out because he had really quick guys who couldn't catch him. He had really hard cases who couldn't lay a hand on him, and yet. He didn't seem to be sweating. He didn't seem to be exerting himself. 
as Jiffy said, he, he, he ghosted and, and glided. Um, I had a quick look at that 72 match today, just to remind myself. He was doing the kick pass 40 years, 50 years before it was sort of became a thing. He didn't just do a crossfield kick. He just didn't put it up in, in the air. He, he did that on occasions as well. He actually did the kick pass. Um, and one other thing I just thought about him, it was just six years, as you say, the career. But actually, he only played in a winning side once in the first eight matches of his Wales and 68 Lions career. It all came with an incredible rush at the end with the 71. Well, Wales started getting seriously good in, in 70 after taking a hammering in New Zealand in the, the previous year. 71 Grand Slam, 71 Lions Tour, 72 gone. He'd gone. Mm. Age 27. The, the rock star of rugby gone. Like all rock stars, they, they go at 27. Um, so he had an extraordinary career. And and part, part of the mystique, as Chris was saying, is why we still talk about him like this now. He had that X factor, which even some of the incredible names like JPR and Gareth, they didn't quite have Barry's X factor for some reason. I, you know, my my feeling is that um, he had incredible uh, he had incredible balance, and I read something that where he talked about ensuring that he was as good off one foot as he as he was off the other, and in terms of his movement and and how he weighted um, himself when he was running, um, he was. I mean, the comparison with George Best is is a very good one in the sense that they both seemed, whether it was mud or whatever, they just seemed to glide over the surface. Um, I, um, you, you know, I was 15 when um, the 1971 Lions tour was on. And the thing, one of the things I remember about it was just how bloody frustrating it was looking at the black and white coverage. And... You know how um, there was virtually nothing, uh, you, you know, none of the analysis around it or anything like that. You got the match, and 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 that was pretty well what you got. The analysis was all in the papers. Uh, but I played some club rugby in New Zealand for, uh, did a short stint there at the end of the seventies, and I know from that that there was a generation of young New Zealand backs who were absolutely inspired by what he, uh, in particular, among that 1971 Lions side and others did. And New Zealand, you'll remember, for a long time, were just about, about smashing everybody up front for years and years and years. And that saw a shift, really, in their game towards far more um, expansive backline play. So uh, um, he probably, in a way, didn't do Wales or the Lions any favour. Famous there in terms of inspiring, inspiring the uh, the New Zealanders. But you know, I mean, it just showed just what an, a, a, a phenomenal uh, influence and a phenomenal talent he was. Yeah, yeah. I think we mentioned JPR Williams. I think I'm quoting JPR when I'm saying he was the best player JPR ever played with. Um, so I guess to give an idea of you know how good he really was, that's a pretty good idea in itself. Does that mean that JPR didn't play in New Zealand alongside Nick Kane? <laughs> <laughs> Busty. Uh, very good, Chewy. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, I know we, and especially 
um, you, Jiffy, will miss him, as will all of British rugby. Yeah. Or I'm sure at Twickenham this weekend, and I know you'll be there, Jiffy, that, um, there will be a moment to acknowledge and mourn the loss of one of the greatest fly halves to ever play the game. So I, I think yeah. we'll um, you know, make the most of that moment when it does come. Um, yeah. We'll look ahead to that Twickenham game in a little little bit. Let's journey back first and we'll go through round one in reverse order for obvious reasons. Uh, Jiffy Cardiff, like I, like I say, and I think I'm quoting Tom English on the BBC, the loser felt better than the winner. Um, I suppose as a loser, does that, do you, do you agree <laughs> with that? <laughs> I think that's where we are at the moment. I think we have a realisation and that's where Scott and I are at the moment. You know, Scotland will be desperately disappointed that, um, you know, they, they gave up that commanding lead and really lost control of the of the second half. And uh, aside, you know, that quality, you know, will, will have been disappointed. And and, and they, and they do say, oh, it's all um, oh, be good for us because of a realisation of where we are. I don't, I don't think that's the case. It'll be slightly worrying as well because... You know, if they're going to lower young Welsh side to control the game and run run the game, you know that that'll be slightly worrying for them if they want to, you know, look at championships and all that. So, um, but for Wales, I, I you know, this is the worst first half I've seen for a long, long time. Tactically naive, they were all very nervous. I, you know, I, I watched them when they sang the anthems; they all looked very nervous because they're a very young bunch. Uh, but tactically, they were very naive. I, I went to meet the you know the coaching staff before. Uh, before the game to say what their plans were and they were going to loosen it up a little bit maybe shorten the line out and get a you know running in midfield now what I couldn't understand once they did that they didn't go through the phases and they just kicked the ball away and also because they haven't got the great kicking out they haven't got any kicking centre so the young fullback has got to come in to take a little bit of pressure off the standoff to bring the wingers up because it didn't engage the you know the backfield whatsoever and it was an easy afternoon for Scotland but once they had you know realised they had to you know, throw the ball about and get a little bit wider because he didn't have any gain line success. Then things opened up and yellow uh, penalties against Scotland and yellow cards helped them and they got back in the game. And being realistic, you, we all know what momentum is like in sport. They should, they should have won. They should have won that game. They got into a position where 26, you know, 27 points down to get into position to win the game with the momentum they had, they, sh- they would have been. I think they've been disappointed that they didn't win it. But they lost one crucial line out, and there was a forward pass, and they kicked once in the last ten minutes. And I don't think they needed to do that. And that was a difference. Then, do you not think, Jonathan? I, I, before the game, I, I was more than happy to cut Wales an awful lot of slack because, correct me if I'm wrong, but I've never seen a Welsh side that callow. That inexperience. I mean, on on paper, yeah. it looked no. extraordinarily fragile. I mean, I mean, amazingly fragile. And, and actually, the the change at half time, a little bit enforced, and what have you in the outside half position. But I, I do think that they made a mark. Those guys off the bench. I mean, I think Thomas Williams is a good player anyway. Um, yeah. Yeah. But I'm just wondering, going back to Barry for a minute and the Welsh tradition of fly halves. I know that Johan Lloyd, when he was here in Bristol, I'm speaking from Bristol now, I mean, he looked on the ball, he looked as cocky as you used to do. I mean, absolutely amazingly confident in his skills and in his ability to implement those skills. 
And I'm just wondering if he has the potential, and of course we've spoken loads of people with potential, but if he has the potential to be the next real good and in line. Well, that's the thing. It's uh, you know, there's there's no substitute for pace, right? And that's one thing he's got. Yeah. And you know, he, his, uh, defenders stand off him because they're worried about him. So he was it was it was a forced you know uh, change because uh, Sam got off injured, Sam Costello. But you know, it's, it's it'll be interesting to see tactically and selection wise who, who Warren goes with this week. Um, I I think maybe Johan Lloyd could be an outside centre. Mm-hmm. I think. People always talk about how difficult it is to be a defensive 13. If you've got a bit of a rugby brain, you just got to go up and hinge in and out and communicate well. You know, I, I played centre in rugby league and um, you just got to communicate really, really well. And, and if, you, if you get good at it, you don't have to, have, you don't have to do many tackles, to be honest, because the channel is 10 and 12. So it's, that, that could be an option, but I don't think the scholars will put him there. So he could, if he starts on, on Saturday, you know, he starts at 10, I think. And I, I do think that they need help outside in the kicking game, as I mentioned earlier, the first half performance. But also they need, you know, they need gain line. That's what that's that's the problem they had. They, they couldn't, they were telegraphed, you know, one ball cut is going up against smashed by the Scottish ball. So they could not get any gain line. And we all know what it's like. If you get a little bit of gain line post-contact, the defence has got to go back a little bit, then there's, there's options for you. If you don't get that, it's a long, long afternoon, and that's why they were forced to kick early. So, you know, we, George, I think George North will come back in. I was going to say um, that changes that changes if North comes back in a little bit, doesn't yeah. it? Yes, because you know they, that's one thing they came out of the Wales World Cup. Uh, Tompkins and George North played exceptionally well, and they and you know, they they run some good lines. Um, but it's still it's still that thing. If we if Wales can get parity in. The lineup was a shambles as well, so that'll be an interesting selection. You know, do you start with Elliot D? Because if they start like that against England, England won't allow them back into the game. And it'll be interesting to see what what England do because the blitz defence, you know, that that didn't work. Italy cut them in the wide channels, um, so it'll be an interesting encounter because I I can't. A both would just say, look, you know, let's we'll just out muscles and then we'll play the football later on. You know, forget what we've said previously in New England. That'll be rubbish. Um, so they'll just go back to it, and then but the, but the, but the points will come in the second half. You know, yeah. If I was Bostic, that's what I would do. Say right, okay, we grind them down. We just get in front, keep the keep the scoreboard ticking over, and then we'll see how it goes in the second half. That and that should be the plan. And Wales have got to go right from the start and go right. You know, we have got to loosen it up. We got to get a good kicking game. We got to get a little bit wider with the tip boss with some of the, with some of the prop forwards, and then we'll see we'll see what happens. Just to underline something you said, Jiffy and Chris, about the callowness of Wales, I read this morning that Joe McCarthy, who is Ireland's youngest player in the squad, would only be the 12th youngest player in the Wales squad. So <laughs> it, is, it is completely new territory, really. Um, and, yeah. and, you know, and why not? You know, first six nations after the World Cup, if you're going to do it, do it now and let everybody know that that's what you're doing. So I think that's pretty good. Yeah. But I um, think I think Brendan is the fact that that's, it's all kind of forced, really. You know, it, it is. If you look at it, this is where we we are acting. Wales, we haven't got the you know the um, numbers of players that England and France have got. A lot of retirees, um, a lot of boys. Then I'm going to I've moved away to go and play, and you know, and ineligible to play for Wales. So this is where we're at, and also 
the regions with a lack of funding, they can't buy players. So these easy young players have been pushed in. So this is where we're at, and the fans have got to be a little bit patient. First half was, was rubbish, and I was so delighted for the players, the management and coaches, and also the fans, that the character that this young side showed. So, if, you know, if they, if they can bring that confidence and get a game nose to, to Twickenham, then hopefully, you know, it's going to be an interesting afternoon. I, I was also delighted because myself and Chris, not Chris, Nick, had tipped them to win. We thought it might be an upset win. And at 27-0 after 42nd minutes, (laughs) minutes, it was looking like the worst prediction in the history of predictions. I mean, it was shocking. So, And they they scored straight away. It was a poor kick chase. This 27-0 up. And if Scotland would have just kept on going, we were looking at, you know, all of us in the commentary point going like, this could be 40-50 if we're not careful. But, you know, I'm so glad for all the players that... You know, and as Ollie said, you know, we were the happiest at the end. Although we lost, I still think we were maybe happier than the Scottish. There was one moment in that game that I wanted to ask you about, Jiffy. And actually, we did a, um, we put an Ask Jiffy post out on our socials for oh, yeah. listeners to ask you questions. And Emily Andrews has messaged us on Instagram to raise a similar issue. Wales's try from the driving mall in the second half. Um, the referee played the advantage. And instead of giving a penalty try, let the play go on, try from a mall, cards the player. As a try is obviously scored, there's no penalty try. The five points is guaranteed, but you still have the conversion. The conversion's then missed. Three scores later, Wales lose by a point. If a penalty try is given, the score's 28-27, Wales win by a point. So, is yeah, that that's it. Uh, yeah, yeah, I can understand that, but you know, that's a kick that he should kick. So the referee is thinking he can't, in hindsight, say, "Oh, he missed a conversion. I'll get, I'll award a penalty try." You know, that's the thing he can't do. He's either going to make a brave call and go right under the post, ten points, bang, let's get away from it, or or he said, "Look, he scored a try," which a lot of referees usually, you know, do. Alex Mann would have been, you know, really upset if he had not, you know, given him a try on his debut. But yeah, you know, small things like that happen. I think that. The momentum that Wales had, you know, that lined up again, given field position. And because they didn't need to chase the game then, they just need to get into field position, look for a penalty. And they would have gone into field position because Scotland, they were so scared of getting into contact and committing in the in the rucks and malls, that it was easy for Wales to get, you know, to get the ball and go forward. So I I just think that it was well, you know, we we should have won it at the end in the position we got. Mm. It, it's interesting. You you know it. You create your your own pressure. You create your own luck in the game, and Wales definitely yeah. did that. But the run of penalties that the Scots gave yeah. away was yeah. unbelievable. I think you were talking about six, was it sixteen in a row? Something I like think, that. I think there's definitely fourteen in a row. <laughs> so I don't think I've ever heard that stat before. No. Never heard it. I don't. Th- I don't yeah. think I have. And the other thing is, is that uh, you, you know, look, I, I, I absolutely take what you say about Wales should have won it because they had the momentum. Yeah, Scotland, yeah. You know, I mean, Van der Merwe, he was lucky. Brendan pointed out, and he was right. He was extremely lucky to get the try in the first half because Russell's pass to him was forward, without a shadow of a doubt, forward. And the uh, the Van der Merwe, the one that he didn't score right at the end when he managed to ground it on Dwyer's leg. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, real, you know, I mean, real, real game of ups and downs, but the momentum was definitely with Wales. But uh, yeah. I suppose it showed that they're a young side and they, 
they sort of they just lost their way in the last sort of three minutes or so, didn't they? Yeah, I think you got to. I think you got to applaud Scotland as well because you know I've, I've been having a bit of stick with the Scottish fans, but they're always moaning about me anyway, so um, it doesn't bother me. Um, it's it's all you know. They they played well in the first half. You know, they, you, you, they say you can only play what's in front of you, and they play, played it very well. You know, they, the forwards carried well, and Finn Russell had the easiest forty minutes he'll ever have in his life. And he was just picking holes in in the Welsh defence, and defensively we struggled. We got forwards in the wrong areas. So, but Scotland, you know, played you know played well in the first half, and they they're aside, you know, that 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 are capable of beating anyone on the day. They've they've just got to put a full 80 minutes together. Well, on the Scotland front, Brendan, I was giving you a bit of stick for predicting, was it Italy to beat Scotland, but Scotland to beat France in this tournament? But actually, you're probably feeling quite good about that prediction. Having well, it's a, it's a funny old thing now, isn't it? Because on Sunday, is it no, Saturday, we got two teams with something to prove, haven't we? Scotland with something to prove, really. Uh, France with something to prove, definitely. Um, all I would say with Scotland is... I. I think they would have been really down in the dumps a bit after the match and maybe even on Sunday morning. But I think by the time they got back to Edinburgh and clocked on Monday, everything had settled a bit. They think, well, OK, we've got an away win in Cardiff. We've got a stack of stuff to work on here. So Gregor will be rubbing his hands. Um, there's a revved up France at home. The weather might be a bit dirty. I think they could be in quite good shape come kickoff time, Scotland. Um, and, you know, France... I don't think we'll be particularly relishing this fixture, although they will be revved up good and proper now. There's no no question about that. So the dynamics of that match are always quite interesting to me anyway, and doubly so now. Whether I'll be remotely correct with my uh, prediction, I don't know. But I'd say watch this space. It could be a very, very interesting game. Just um, before we move on to... Actually, look, we'll go to France-Ireland next. I was going to do Italy-England first, but we'll go to France-Ireland now that you mentioned. There was one more question for you um, from Jonathan Fallon on Instagram, Jiffy. Uh, do you now think that Wales should have gone for the points in the first half instead of going for the corner when they were, quote-unquote, too far behind? Uh, it, it, again, you know, in hindsight, you know, did, did anyone, when they had that penalty, think they would be one point behind? You can't, you can't think like that. You've got to think, in the in the moment and twenty points, you're not going to win that game if you don't score tries. So they had to score tries. So it's you make referees call, and I think they were the right call. Really, it's um, you know just just to try and get something before half time. You know it, it didn't work, but still, still for me, you know just they did the right thing. Yeah, no, couldn't agree more. Um, yeah, let's move on to that France Island game now. We were obviously talking it up as the get the most exciting game of the weekend this time last week. Probably, well, it was certainly the least close of the weekend, not necessarily the least exciting, but we were all a little bit surprised by that. Certainly, um, Chewy, sum it up, really. Uh, are we talking about last the last French performance or the one to come? <laughs> I, I mean, I was, I was, I was, I was startled at how poor they were. Yeah. Actually, I mean, let's take nothing away from Ireland, first of all. I mean, that was an exceptional performance in all departments. And everyone's talking about Joe McCarthy and I can I can and Jack Crowley, I can see that. Ty Byrne was off the scale oh, on yeah. Friday. Absolutely yeah. off the scale. In line out burglaries, it breakdown on the carry in his cutting of lines. He's as good, he's as good a second row as there is in the world at the moment. 
that bloke. And he, he was yeah. exceptional. I also think France picked the wrong side. I mean, now you can leave with, with, with a line out that Ireland have, and it is a threatening line out. How you leave someone like Cameron Walkie on the bench is just beyond me, really. And of course, their line out went completely pop. And now, of course, Brendan's quite right. France will be revved up in their own kind of way for Saturday because they're coming off the back of a, a humiliation in a, in a place where they're really not meant to be humiliated. I mean, it's not Paris where they have the old rough game. Marseille is a real stronghold for them, a massive stronghold. And to be taken to the cleaners there really would have come as a shock. But I see everywhere. I mean, in Galtier, Fabien Galtier is a divisive figure in France. He was a divisive figure as a player. And he had a reputation of being able to start a fight in an empty room, Fabian. I mean, he could have an argument with anyone at any time of day. And now people like Philippe Saint-André, Richard Dort, Bougelau, who employed Galtier in, in, in Toulon, they're all on his back now. And they're saying that he's a terrible man-manager, especially when things are going wrong. And it's very easy for him to fall out with the French dressing room in its entirety in the space of a sentence. So you've got all that pressure coming in now and Galtier will be, it'll be very interesting to see his body language at the weekend. It'll be very interesting to see how Gregory Aldrich, who's an inexperienced captain at test level, how much he can give the side. And of course, it's also very interesting to see who they, who they pick because that, that was a tatty old performance that they put in on Friday. Jiffy, what do you think went so wrong, really? I think it's, the, the one thing I'm you know, I, I look at the French, you know what they're like, you know, whether, whether they're afraid or interested in something. And I'm, and I'm not sure how big the World Cup defeat knocked them because everything was geared up. You know, you look at the under 20s for the last decade were geared up to play in this World Cup. Everything was geared up to this World Cup. And I don't actually know how, how much of an effect. It's really, really hard to know. You know, Dupont's gone. Yeah, okay, I'm going to put, and they win the gold medal now, you know, in, in the Olympics in Paris. So that was their real, real goal. And if they can keep their, see where they are to, as a collectively now, that's the thing. And I think Saturday will be a big test because if they'd have you know, maybe nonchalantly won on the, on the last weekend and then turned up to Scotland and not knocked Scotland over. But no, there's question marks about them. There's question marks. As Chris said about the you know the management you know defensively they were poor, so that for me it's all if they go to if they go to Scotland with the right attitude, you know, they're so big and powerful you know it'll be a real tough ask for Scotland to beat them right, so that'll be the the question mark for me is not their ability is their attitude and application about this season after the World Cup, so that's 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 key for me. The other thing Ireland. I, I think Ireland is still the best side in the world. I think they had the, maybe one defensive mistake against New Zealand and they lost. But they've just kicked on. And the, the off, that, you know, Chris has mentioned again, the off-the-ball running of those players is phenomenal. I can see the rugby league influence in it about the, the angles of running. It's not only the ball carriers, but it's you know the dummy runners which hold people, which creates the space. They use the left-footed winger low very, very well. And then, but if you watch the schools in the 20s, most of the, re, uh, the provinces play the same now. So when Jack Crowley comes in, you know, I thought you had an exceptional game, you know, and it a brilliant pack of forward. So I, I think they're, they're a very, very good side, uh, Ireland. They do everything well. 
And we always thought that New Zealand were the best in the world because of their rugby intelligence. I think the rugby intelligence in that Irish side now you know, is, is very, very high. They all know what they do and they all know what they do for each other to get into space. So I, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed the game. And, you know, 14 men, it was, you know, they still had the opportunity to get back in the game and then he didn't and then Ireland put him away. It was a brilliant test match and I think Ireland are so, so far ahead of you know, the others now that um, it'll be difficult to see anyone beat them. All, all that connects actually with the, with the criticism that San Andre has made, and I suppose it's typical of any ex coach to come out and start criticising yeah. um, after a defeat like that. But San Andre drew the distinction. The big distinction he drew between Ireland and France on Friday night was the tempo at which the Irish played, yeah. as against the complete lack of tempo that France were able to generate. And the yeah. danger for France, I guess, going to Murrayfield is that Scotland, if they have the wind in their tail a little bit. They do play a quick game, yeah. and, it, and yeah. it could well be if he picks and if he picks another massive pack of forwards, which maybe he may well do. Yeah. Um, but you know, if he starts with two Alangi in the second row rather than Wookie, if he goes for the power game, the real power game against Scotland, he may find himself caught in the same in the same on the same horns of a dilemma, really, because the other lot are playing it again a, a game that's twice as quick as the one you're capable yeah. of playing. Yeah. Yeah. I I think that, you know, if you look at what the French clubs have done in Europe, the best French clubs have done in Europe, they're capable of playing at, at real pace. Yeah. You know, yeah. Toulouse took Harlequins apart. Bordeaux yeah. took Saracens apart, you know. Um, there was something. There was something very odd about the French. I, I thought in Marseille, they, they, you know, I mean, we talk about England being slow starters and so on, but the French, you know, the French were so unlike what we've seen of them over the last four years, where they've been energised by Sean Edwards in particular. Their offensive defence. Guys like Villiers, who who is, is a winger, who who is one of the best turnover merchants in the game, so on and so forth. They hardly won a turnover. I mean, Ireland played exceptionally well, but the French didn't really challenge at the breakdown. They left Luku blowing in the wind half the bloody time. Absolutely. Um, you know, they were really, really poor, I thought. And the idea, you know, that you can't be competitive with 14 men, you know, we've seen from the, the Springboks, we've seen from New Zealand in the World Cup final, you can be competitive with 14 men. There's no question if you've got your defensive mindset uh, right and you're... You know, just your your your, your game head head heads on, and I I just felt that they were very unlike anything that we've seen for four years. I don't know what goes on in, in the background; mm -hmm. it's very difficult to know. But they've certainly been highly motivated for the last four years. Yeah, it seemed like they went into this tournament flat. Well, they had a good three or four minutes at the start, didn't they, France? And then as soon as Ireland put put together one of those multi-multi-multi-phase attacks, you know, you're sort of 16, 17 phases mm -hmm. and was smashing them in all directions and, you know, popping that ball out like a poached egg and it, it was all... It, the air seemed to go out of the French. Yeah. yeah. I, think they played too, I think they played too quickly for them. The ruck speed was under two seconds, you know. And yeah, The two things. One, uh, Penno wasn't really involved apart from the try. And the, for the main one for me, they go forward, man, was, was uh, Dante. And he wasn't when when I can't remember him. him. I can't remember him carrying the ball. Didn't but as if him. he 
but I know now next sat- Saturday, you know, he'll be running straight, you know, at Finn Russell. That'll be their plan, won't they? That'll be their go forward run of Finn Russell. But uh, you know, it'll be in- it's going to be a really interesting encounter in Murrayfield, which which Scotland have you know have got a great chance of winning, especially with Tuipulutu playing pretty well. Oh, he, he is. He is. I would say everyone talks about Finn Russell. I think he is the one that makes them tick. He is the foil for Russell. He can. He's got a great kicking game, short kicking game. He's a brilliant distributor, and also he can carry. So he just puts it at the back, takes it on if he has to, angles his run, hold, squares his shoulders up, which makes it easier then for those boys to perform all around him. I think he is the key player for Scotland. I think with France, you, you do have to address the elephant in the room, and that is they're only half a team at the moment without Dupont. And I mean, I dare say that would be the same for any side. And I thought Luku is a good player. He is a good player. Yeah, but yeah. I was astonished how slow he was at the ruck. And people with Dupont, he's got all the skills, but the, the basic back to the basics, like with Barry John, what he does better than anybody is he gets his hands in that at the at the base of the ruck and all. And he, you know, there's arms everywhere. There's hands everywhere, boots everywhere. He gets that ball and he whips it out in a fraction of a second. Luku just wasn't at the races. So, you know, the, the, the backs were on the back foot and they're not used to being on the back foot. So yeah, thought, but the, French pack, the French pack weren't at the races either. Yeah, because they weren't contesting the breakdown. And I, and I don't know why, because Ireland were all over them at the breakdown and committing a lot of penalties they got away with. But because they were the dominant team, they stopped reffing them. The thing is, the thing is with Dupont, Brent, and you make a you make a good point. You 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 bang on. What he's able to do because of, because of the potential he has, when the other lot put really put the hustle on him, there's always something in the back of their minds thinking, if we're all over this bloke like a bad suit, he he's, and he gives us the slip, then we're really hurting. Whereas Luku crumbled under the hustle. A lot. Yeah. And, and, you know, I mean, J- J- Jiffy will know that p- people like Jerry Gus got at it, didn't they? Where yeah. where the, the just 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 the idea of what he might do to you if you give him half a yard just changes you a little bit. Just makes yeah. you that little bit more cautious. You had the same skills, yeah. Jonathan. Yeah. You know, I, I remember Roger Spurl only tackled you 19 times in one game. And he said, <laughs> could, have been, could have been a 20th, but he might have given me the slip. Yeah. Um but, but you, you, but you know what I mean. It's all about potential, isn't it? Yeah, but He's you great. can argue that Jalibert has that. And Jalibert disappeared in the game as well. He did. Yeah. He did a bit, yeah. Yeah, but if you ain't got a scrum half, it's tends a pretty difficult place to play. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it is. It is. I think, well, we did allude to it last week. France are obviously wounded. Um, and their pack didn't compete. And they have in Jalange, Taufi Fanua. Even Mayafu, who hasn't made his debut yet, he, you know, those are all gaping holes that are left um, for the French side. I I should also point out that um, speaking of poor perform, poor performances, our predictions league for that game, um, and our predictions for the whole uh, for the whole tournament. I think all five of us backed France to win the Six Nations. Four of us backing a Grand Slam, yeah, which was completely wrong within the space of let's be honest 20 minutes as soon as Ireland had a strangle strangle yeah. on. oh I've, I've been wrong more quickly than that <laughs> <laughs> but Chris I must give a shout out to you because you're the only one out of the five of us to get a single point from that game 
the rest of us we we were four turkeys, us and Jerry Gus got included. So you're 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 top of the predictions league. So well done you. Enjoy it while it lasts. <laughs> yeah. Well to, Chris, to the to the rest of you, that's really nothing to be proud of. All right. <laughs> <laughs> and you're ahead by some way, might I add as well, because you've got a bang on score for England Italy. Um, but I think one other thing that I just want to throw out there is we haven't spoken too much about the red card. I think it ended up being a yellow and a red as a result, wasn't it? How thick do you need to be? I know, I know. Well, well, we, we, got a, we, got a, we got a question on the show tonight. Um, and we said, and I get it really, said uh, Williams, he had two red cards, really. Yeah. Because he had a red, he had two yellows, which showed the red. And then the second yellow was upgraded to a red. Okay. So he had two reds. Yeah, two yeah. yellows and two reds. I think that could be a first. And and he was lucky not to get a straight red for the first one. Yeah, yeah he I was. thought he was going to be yeah. sight, you know, sighted again. Three reds. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, it's, you know, it, it's... I don't understand players now. I, I think there are some rugby collisions, but when you're set up for a tackle now, you know, you've got to go a bit lower. I mean, that's common sense now. I also question how that that... I mean, that second one was awful and so blatant. And I was watching and straight away I went, oh my God, he's off. And then it took them a good three or four minutes to come back to it, which I was slightly amazed at as well, because I was like, if they come back to that, he's off. And it, for some reason, it it wasn't seen. But the thing I wanted to throw out was, regardless of how silly, careless, and maybe even ring rusty, obviously that's Willems' first international in eight months, nine months, ten months, maybe. Um, and his last. And maybe, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, has, there's been no official ban yet, has there? Or no official outcome, obviously. It'll presumably be three. Um, but anyway, I, I don't think had he not been sent off, France would have come anywhere near to winning that game, regardless. Um, okay, England, Italy, Italy, England, sorry. Now, before we move on to round two, um, Brendan, I'll I'll come to you. I I was in a, an event during this game, so I could only check my phone after full time. And I checked and I was dismayed by the score and having watched it back, it doesn't seem quite as dismal as I thought it may have been. Um, but just give your thoughts on the sort of mixed opinion. Some people... Yeah, yeah, it was a mixed performance for sure. I mean, you know, the cutting edge attacking rugby mostly came from Italy as we've become, you know, we, we sort of expect some good attacking rugby from them. Um, England did batten down the hatches when they went behind. And it was like 15 minutes when the, the blitz defence worked really well. Uh, it... The, the game plan shortened, it came in a bit, but they got the job done, all the cliches, and then they coughed up another try at the end to make it look a slightly closer than it was. So um, there's certainly stuff to work on. Uh, it certainly wasn't sort of basball, as we were being led to believe by Jamie George, although I think that is an aspiration. I don't think that was a, an immediate sort of, it wasn't going to happen overnight. Um yeah, away win in the Six Nations. That's all you can say. It wasn't really much more than that. I, I wouldn't get wildly excited by it. I'm a little bit intrigued by this sort of bandwagon for Ethan Roots. I, I thought he was okay, but he doesn't do what Tom Pearson does for me anyway. Um, and I'd like to see actually quite a big unit at six who can do with the line out like Alex Coles. But again, he was decent, a bit like England, and there might be more to come. So we'll find out on Saturday, I guess. Jiffy, you mentioned the, and you said it with a glint in your eye, the, the New England. Um, from, again, watching it back, there, there wasn't too much to suggest that, although I think 54% of rucks were a ruck speed of under three seconds, which by English stands is pretty good. I think it's going to be, 
I think England weren't ever going to lose that game. That's the first thing. Um, the blitz defence, yeah, they, they shot up a little bit and exposed themselves. Um, where you know they got to get the line speed collectively together. Uh, you, got, you know, you can't just shoot them. You got to stay back a little bit. And if they do want to do the faster clerk thing and just shoot them very quickly, then they've got to close in behind him because that's where you angle into both sides of him. So I think you know it's a it's a work in progress. Um, Hope I thought Freeman played well. Got something about him he has. Um, but yeah, they you know going. The thing about Italy again, going because it's a World Cup. They were I I feel they went into that World Cup right, and they weren't they weren't really there. They weren't in it. They had France and New Zealand. They knew they weren't going to get out of that group right. But I think with the you know Benetton going well and the Italian side is going well, I think they'll be far more competitive this year. Their backs look dangerous. They exposed the wider channels. So I think they'll be a bit they'll be a bit better. So England going to Twickenham you now. That's that'll be a pressurous game, and I you know and I do hope they show it about a bit <laughs> from the start. <laughs> <laughs> you know that's what they should do. That's what they should do. You know, make you know entertain the fans, buzz ball, and then it'll be a great game. So, um, <laughs> but I I think it'll be interesting to see you know what where they if they're going to make any changes because they haven't had really much consistency in midfield. Um, you know the back row. So let's see. I can't see making many, many changes, if any changes. So um, we'll have to, we'll have to, we'll have to wait and see. But that you got, you've got to go with England's um, physicality um, on Saturday, and that that for me would be the the difference between the two sides. I think I I agree, and that Tommy Freeman was probably the biggest success point for England for me. Yeah, um, I know there's been a lot of discourse around Ethan Roots and Nick. I was actually more impressed by Chandler Cunningham South in his stint off the bench than I was um, by Roos. I wanted to know what you made of that too, com- that, that comparison because obviously there's... I, thought that, they both, I thought that they both played pretty well. I thought that Cunningham South came on. That tackle that he made on Murray probably prevented a try. He made a hell of a lot of ground across. You could see his athleticism and um, he really skittled him. But... Um, uh, look, I mean, Cunningham South looks like he's 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 very very promising player. Ethan Roots, I thought was, um, you know, I sort of looked at him as being a good club player uh, before the game. I thought in the game he couldn't have had a much better debut. The bloke made sixty meters. You know, I'm not a big data man, but he made sixty meters in carries and so on and so forth. He was the only England forward who really you know, punched the ball uh, up the middle and was effective. Um, so without him, I think that they might actually have struggled. It's interesting. You know, you look at them. I still think it's an, I, I, you know, I'm afraid I still think it's an ordinary pack. You know, um, you know, Joe Marler is a very, very sound loose head. Jamie George, I think, is sort of beginning to look at years a bit in uh, in international terms. He needs a big game. Will Stewart, I don't think is test quality. He's played second string to Thomas Dutoy all season at Bath. Um, he made one or two, you know, one or two dents in the loose, but I didn't think, I thought Underhill was, looked like he, you know, I mean, he's a very good player. You know, he's a really nuggety flanker, but he's he's not on the pace at test level because he hasn't been playing. You know, he's, he's you know, he's, he's hardly played for Bath. So yeah. all, all round, I I think that they've got a, a a hell of a lot of ground to make up. 
You know what? I've got to. I've got to ask one thing. If 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 they all are standoffs were fit, if Marcus Smith is fit, out of uh, the three of them, would would be his number one choice? You think, especially when he wants to play the buzz ball. And if it is Marcus Smith, which I don't know, I wait for your answers. Then you've got to play like Kerr, Tom Brandt, and Smith to play the buzz ball, haven't you? Tiffy, I, don't I, don't, I think that this idea of buzz ball. <laughs> It's, I know. It's a figment of, of somebody else's imagination other than oh. Borthwick. I'm afraid. Yeah, that is, with Steve, it's horrible. <laughs> I don't I see it. I don't see it at all. Um, you know, I think that he, he doesn't fully trust uh, Marcus Smith. I think his default man is George Ford without, you know, shadow yeah. of a doubt. He picked him to yeah. start. And um, where Finn Smith fits in, I don't know. What I do know is is that Finn Smith um, playing opposite Crowley in the Northampton at Thoman Park for Northampton against uh, against Munster? Smith was absolutely outstanding and actually yeah, eclipsed yeah. Crowley on that on that occasion. Well, so the, the, the rugby that that Northampton side is playing has been in the making since Chris Boyd. Yeah, I mean yeah. that's years, you know. Yeah. And, and and you know they made those decisions because he didn't have any big forwards. Oh, yeah. not and and they they've they're, they're playing an exceptional brand of of all court running rugby Northampton counter attacking rugby they're they're very good off first phase with everything they do but that's been years in the making the notion that you're just going to pick three or four Northampton blokes chuck them in the England side and they're suddenly going to run around like they're at Franklin's Gardens is unlikely mm. at best yeah yeah. Uh, I think that uh, look, it's it's a good point. You know, I mean, they they they're aspiring to something, but at the or they may be aspiring to something. I don't I don't think it's basball, um, and um, I think that you know, Borthwick is fundamentally he's a conservative coach. Yeah, he's a fundamentally conservative coach, and 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 the idea that England are going to go out there and rip it up. Um, they're certainly not going to go out and rip it up with uh, with without a, a, a pack in which there are much much stronger carriers than they've got at the moment. And it's attack yeah. coaches Richard Wigglesworth. I mean, I mean, it's not having like it's not like having Pierre Villepreux there, is it? Or, yeah, it's going to be. Or, or Brian be, Ashton, let's say. I yeah. mean, it, it, he is not that type of. He's not that type. He wasn't that type of player. I don't I think, think he got. Yeah. Type of way. I think you got to watch him if you watch. Ireland's attack and uh, uh, England's attack. You know they were they were too deep. England. You know I think Freeman did a brilliant move. He came inside for that. You know to create the try. But then a little bit. They, I'm not sure they know what their depth, how to hold their depth yet behind and what they're trying to do in the dummy runners. So if you got a, if you got a good defence in place, whether it's a drift or a blitz, then maybe you know they, Wales will hold them out, outside. That's why I think they'll maybe have a little go at the. At the forwards first, but you know, as Nick says, if the forwards aren't that great, well, maybe it'll be closer than, than I than I expect. Hmm. Well, I think it'll be. I, I think everything that we've seen over the last you know couple of years indicates that it will be very very close. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Interestingly, Jiffy, in your prediction, you've got the biggest winning margin for England out of all five of us. Um, so. Well, talk talk us through that one. I think what was, what was my what was my prediction? 
31-21 to England. Yeah, there we are. Um, yeah, I, I just feel, like I said, I think we are where we are. And the, the, pro- the problem that I have is, is that I think that the other sides will look at the first half performance and they, they will then gear up to, to know what to do with Wales. Uh, and, that's, you know, and then they'll have to play a little bit more expansive. And if that's the case, if they're not going, you know, you've got to, as everyone says, a cliche, but you've got to earn the right to go wide first. And that's what we, we might struggle with. Because with, even you look, at, you look at the back row, Wainwright stepped up in the second half, you know, but Tommy Rafael isn't much of a ball carrier, really. He's a, he's a jackal specialist, you know, and then Alex Mann comes on, you know, he's, he's not a big man as well. So the two second rows, you know, one's very young, Tom, um, and uh, what's his name? Adam Beard isn't, isn't carry much. So they'll have to have real good decoy runners, run the arm, maybe hit the, you know, look for contact, hit the deck and have a quick clear rucks and knock it into a, you know, a real stand-up struggle fight. So, and that's what I think. Going to trick them is always tough. It's always tough. And if you look at this, the other fixtures are falling. Italy way, yeah, maybe didn't, you know, that great, but you're not, you're not, England are not going to lose in, in Rome. So then they're going to have a, a, a new Welsh side up there. You haven't got a better opportunity. So if they are tactically get it right and they, you know, keep taking over, you know, it could be a good day for England. If it's an open, expansive game and we come tactically and we do fine, we have parity, then on the second half performance, who knows what we're capable of? So, you know, it's, it's an exciting prospect, but I just think. Realistically, you know, England should win by, you know, 10, 12 points, maybe. And just to follow up on that, we had a question for you again um, from Pox on Twitter or X, as it's now known. Uh, where will England and Wales respectively look to target um, this weekend? Well, hopefully they'll play basketball <laughs> and, uh, you know, and then it'll be an open game. But I do feel that they will target the Welsh front five. And they'll close and they'll, they'll, they'll keep it tight and slowly keep the scoreboard ticking over, play a territorial game, and then, you know, hopefully get a grinded result out. With Wales, again, the second half, a few tip offs, shorten the line out, get fours running into midfield, but they have to have the confidence to carry the ball. That's what Wales have to do. They have to move the big English pack around the field and be clever while doing it, not running one up into two English players and getting smashed back, you know. That's only going to make the England, the, the Twickenham fans, like, give roar and get behind them. And then, you know, it's it's a long afternoon then. England won't, England won't play fast and loose with George Ford at 10, will they? The thing is with George, right, I, I think if they get on the front foot, he's dangerous because he takes the ball to the line. He's a great distributor. If it's slow, well, you know, it's very difficult for him to, you know, create anything. So it all again, as we all know, it all comes down to the front five. And if 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 England get really on the front foot, then George Ford is a very dangerous player. The, the only reason I mentioned that that it wasn't any criticism of George actually. I just think no. he's still the best game manager. Yeah, he is the best game understander. Let's put it that way, if that's an English word. Um, that they have it ten, and yeah. and he will see the dangers that a particular style of play might lead England into against the Wales side set up in the way it is and just do something else. I mean, George, is, George can think it through in the real time, is what I'm yeah. saying. But they'll target him as well, won't they? Yeah. 
Yeah, sure. but they didn't, you know, they didn't get they didn't get to Finn Russell because they didn't have any ball or go forward, so he just sat back. But then, hopefully, if they get on the front foot a little bit, they will they'll try and get at um, at George and with with uh, George North there as well. Maybe you know he'll he'll be hopefully charging on that uh, channel. How can on the Wales, subject of sorry, Nick. how can Wales shore up that uh, front five? Um, will Dylan Lewis come in at tight head? Do you think will that happen? Maybe. You know, me, I am seeing how he's been going in, in Harlequins. So maybe the familiarity of the English game and the English props, you know, they might have a chat with him and say, how do you feel? Yeah. So he might come in. But it's, um, I, I was quite surprised. They, they weren't, they didn't do too bad, really, in the scrum uh, on Saturday. I thought they would struggle. But I thought the props did exceptionally well, you know. And, and also, the where they struggled was in the loose, where they, when they were carrying, they couldn't get any, you know, gain line. So uh, line notes, they couldn't. It was a disaster. So, scrimmage, I'm sure England will target it, but, um, you know, let, let's, but I know, as I spoke, I spoke to Rob Holy and they looked at Channel 1 balls and didn't have to use it last week. Now, that's a rarity, Channel 1 balls. So, hopefully, they can, you know, if they have to do it, they can do it on, and then go quickly. Yeah. You could do it with Will Rowlands, couldn't you? Huh? You could do it with Will Rowlands, couldn't you? Yes. I'm not sure if he's back or not. He's, you know, he's, He's been really good for Wales, really good, you know. So um, that would that would be a huge benefit if he came back in, huge benefit because he, you know, he carries the ball a lot as well. So that would be uh, I forgot about him actually. Yeah. So hopefully, if he can come back in, that'd be a huge bonus for Wales. I mean, he he, he balances he balances out Lewis Chesson for sure. You know, yeah. I, I mean, I'm not saying Chesson's yeah. a poor player. I'm a fan of no. Chesson, but I think Roland's can, He's a good player. can perform exactly that role. Yeah. yeah, he can. He's, he's and he plays. He's really, really. I don't think he's had a bad year for Wales. No, I didn't realize on the subject of front five. I thought Atojo was excellent on Saturday. Didn't get many plaudits. Didn't get the man of the match, but I thought he uh, put in a real eighty-minute shift. He's been pretty good all season, actually, Atoji. So that that would be fairly comforting for England fans to know that he, I think, is pretty much back to his best. As long as as long as uh, Earls and I told you don't have an orgasm every time they win a turnover <laughs> or something. <laughs> yeah, it's it's an eleven p.m. kickoff. Uh, <laughs> I'll explain to you what an orgasm is later, Chris. Uh, yeah, thanks. I've I've read about it, but I don't think I've ever tripped over one. Oh, <laughs> Moving swiftly on, I think Will Rowlands is in contention because he he was missing. Yeah, um, his wife gave birth, didn't she? Yeah, Always I think so. Yeah, I think oh, so. He's still yeah. on orgasms. He's, yeah. He's... <laughs> well, I guess, yeah, it wasn't really moving swiftly on, was it? Um, yeah, so I think he's joined back up with the Wales squad, so he will be in Good. to take I, it. I, I do agree with you, though, Jonathan. That is the most annoying thing in rugby. That whole hollering and shouting every time oh, you oh. win a scramble or what? Oh, no. I mean, crikey, oh. what? It drives me nuts. Wouldn't they just? <laughs> oh, me, oh, me. Ben Earl has been asked about. He's assured he's not going to stop doing it. So I think we've we've got to get used to it. Given that we've we've got to get used to him in an England shirt because I don't think he's going anywhere anytime soon. Yeah, no. Um, right now, moving swiftly onwards. Actually, um, last question on Wales before we move on for to the other games. I don't think Ireland, Italy should spring too many surprises. So we'll probably talk about Scotland, France a bit more. Uh, Rob Hill on X for you, Jiffy. Is Warren Gatland the right person to rebuild Wales now? Bear in mind, we, <laughs> now, we, we now have a crop of players that don't fit his traditional mould. 
Um, yeah. so. I, I said I said this last week. I said this last week that Warren Ball is gone. We haven't got Fala Taus, Jamie Roberts, Shanklin, Jonathan Davis, you know, the, the young one, Foxy. So that, and that's why I said this is a test of Warren, a tactical game. Because he always had these players and he's they fit in a bill to what he what he how he likes to go. So now it's how do they get it wide and how do they create quick ball from you know from maybe not having the biggest forwards. So that that is going to be very very interesting. You know, I think you can't. We'll have to see how it goes. You know, um, maybe at the end of this year they'll just they'll decide what they can do. You know, you can't just Warren's been brilliant for Wales, so you know you can't you can't just say get him out because the players aren't there. So let's you know you got to give him. You know, give him his head a little bit and say, right, what can he do with these players? So one thing he does do, he, you know, he, he gives people tremendous self-belief. And at, at the moment, that's what these young players want. They want to believe that they can go out there and do things. And what Warren's got to do is get to a plan where, right, how can I fit in the style of play that these players you know, can achieve? Yeah, I know that he's he's always hated the um, the sort of, um, the straight jacket of of being a Warren Ball coach, if you know what I mean. Yeah. yeah. Certainly, the um, I, I always think of him because you know I remember him when he was at Wasps, and they didn't play Warren Ball. They played no. a very 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 different sort of game. Sean Edwards was, was a big part of it as well, but I, I think that he's he, he's a coach. You know, obviously he was he was the Ireland coach when O'Driscoll came into the side and so on and so forth. So. He, I, th- I think he's he's probably got many more strings to his bow than 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 Warren Ball. You know, I mean, I think he's capable yeah. of a. Damn- I agree. I I agree, Nick, because he's played the way he's played with Wales is because he's got in and he got right. Okay, we got these players. We play this way. Yeah. The difference was, remember, is it Matt Williams, the Scottish coach, the Australian? Is it Matt Matt Williams? Yeah. yeah. You know, he tried to play the way that you know an expansive game with Scotland. And he didn't have the players to do it. Yeah. So that's the thing. I think Warren understands what, what calibre of player he's got, what style of players he's got. And then he tries to adapt it. And I think this one now with Wales will be his biggest test because we haven't got those big ball carriers. Yeah. 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 They're, you know, I mean, when you've got Jamie Roberts in the centre, you've got a, yeah. uh, you've got, and George North yeah. hanging around yeah. the back line, you've got yeah. a template, haven't you? <laughs> well, Cuthbert is six foot six as well. So, you know, they're all, they're all giants. You know, I, I didn't think they were well sharp for them, to be honest. They were, they've never seen big blokes like Gary Wills. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, for that one, we've all, I think all five of us have gone with England. Um, most of us buying for England by less than a score. Uh, so, Judging by our predictions last week, Wales will win. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So we can look forward to that. Um, Yeah, like I say, Ireland, Italy, I don't think there should be too many surprises there. And just for the sake of time, I think let's um, blow straight on to Scotland, France, which for me is the toughest one to call this weekend, having submitted our predictions for round one, um, except for Jiffy, who had the luxury of a Monday submission. We all did it before the tournament. Four out of five of us, Jiffy included, have gone France. Just Brendan going Scotland. I would probably be tempted to change by now if I could. Uh, Jiffy, you've gone France. I'm guessing you simply see them bouncing back with the bit between their teeth. 
I can see. I I I I question their application. If they turn up and they want to play and get and and win the win this game, they, they I think they're capable of doing right. Um, but I do think that Scott they've got two injuries now, haven't they? They got Richie's injured, and Crosby's injured. So it'll be uh, you know, let's see who, who they bring Richie, in. Richie Gray, isn't it? Uh, Jamie yeah. Rich is fine. Yeah, is it, is it Richie, Richie, Richie Gray, yeah. Richie Gray, okay, he's in. So, you know, but Scotland, they showed they had a little bit of a soft underbelly on um, on, on Saturday for me, and they've, they've got to rectify that very, very quickly. They are a side I enjoy watching. I enjoy watching their backs play. You know, they, they're exciting to play. Uh, the fours can hold their own. I think they've, got, they've just got to knuckle down and, and get the right decisions at the right time. And I think that it's a it's a huge test for them now. They've won in Wales. When you know, sec, they they could have a great opportunity. And yeah, it's it's testimony to where Scotland have come to say that we think, you know, yeah, can they beat France? You know, France were one of the best. are one still one of the best sides in the world. But I think Scotland have the capabilities of beating and playing the right game. You know, conditions again is could be a huge factor. But I just feel that this this all comes down to you know the French application. It's it's completely up in the top four inches with France, I think. Yeah, yeah, you, definitely. You go, I mean, Jiffy, you're dead right. I it, it's it's obvious even on the strength of eighty minutes that what happened at the World Cup had a much more deleterious effect on France. Yeah. Than it has on Ireland, and that's testament to Farrell. It's testament to the the closeness of the group and what have you. But you have the additional thing in France of the pain of losing in a home World Cup when you really weren't meant to lose and then losing the best player in the world. Yeah. And that's a blow upon a bruise. And yeah. that's fine because you can say, well, we're not a one-man team, you know, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, Antoine's a great player, but, you know, we've got other good scrum ass. But then you lose badly the first game without him. And it's very interesting then to yeah. know what their yeah. mindset is. Definitely. Sean Edwards got a big job on his hand this week to get them up. Yeah, if only he could speak a language. <laughs> it was a bit poignant as well, wasn't it? I'm watching Toulouse at the weekend because he he played one more match for Toulouse, didn't he, DuPont, before he signs off for yeah. the Sevens. And he, he played as well as he's ever played. Some of he, played standoff. he played standoff. He played, well. he played um, 10 and he was a genius. I mean, you know, you just think, you know, there he is. Yeah. Needed to be there, you know. Yeah. And he uh, and he also gave an interview about the game and said how much they struggled, etc. And it's like, yeah, if if only we could still be watching him. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the, the pressure on the French is is immense going into this game because their their you know their Six Nations is blown apart if they lose at Murrayfield. Mm. Yeah. So um, you know, I mean. I don't think you'll see them as they they won't be as flat as they were in uh, in in Marseille. But you know, I don't know. You know, there's talk about the conditions being fairly filthy, and that's always a great leveler and so on. But um, you know, they've got to they've got to turn up on uh, on mm. Saturday. No question at all. Do they make a change at scrum half? Because that Lugarek's a good player. I think yeah, I think they will. I think it depends on the conditions again. If it's chucking it down, you know they might stick. But I think if it's dry, they I think they make a change. And he's he's sharper. He is sharper. So that'll be interesting. 
Because I think Charlie Bear's a good player and he's played really well this year. Yeah, he's super. Um, and he's got to bring, you know, and Dante, when Dante comes into the game again, it's a, it's a different ball game for them. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was interesting because Aldrich is a, is a bloke who who tends to, you know, he, 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 he just plays with an intensity all the time. But on, uh, the, 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 on Friday, last Friday night against Ireland, at the end of it, he looked a very dispirited man. You know, I mean, he didn't look as if he, he had too much left in the tank at all. Both. There was a bit. There was a bit of conservatism around their selection as well. Though. I mean, not only walking, so you've messed up your own lineout because they didn't have Flamont either. Yeah. So they don't have a real, a, a genuine lineout kingpin. Um, but also the change on the left wing, and it told you a hell of a lot of what you needed to know to drop that BLBRE who is who is electrifying. Yeah, yeah. would have said that it took quite a lot to uh, to to heave old Villiers. Gabin Villiers out of the side yeah. as well. You know, I mean, I mean the pick a centre on the wing, you know, presumably on yeah. the basis of muscle and physicality. Yeah, was strange. very odd. Strange yeah. decision. Yeah, yeah, funny. And Ramos, Ramos played. You know, Ramos is playing poorly. You look at his kicking out of hand. I mean, all he's finding, he's not finding grass virtually never. You know, yeah. he's always straight in the breadbasket. Well, and Jalabert kicked, kicked one touch finder behind him, didn't he? When he was going for the five meter line, he managed to. I mean, last bloke <laughs> I told you that was Eric Elwood. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's like we all know. It's just mental for them. It just let's see what happens on, you know, this year because they they could just on the back of the World Cup. They go, oh, forget this World Cup. You know, it could just roll over for the whole tournament, which would be sad to see. But. Um, the first 20 minutes will be really interesting in, in Murrayfield. Yeah. I yeah, just yeah. wonder whether the weight of the World Cup loss as well publicly will be weighing on them slightly because obviously yeah. France has had to deal with home disappointment, which I don't think many of them expected to go out in the quarterfinals. I don't think it sits well with many of them now. And now that home loss in Marseille, which let's be honest, was a humiliation. I think that all of that will be highlighted in the press and like you say, from the likes of Saint-André, etc. So... I think they're taking all that with them to Murrayfield, and that's yeah. why I might be tempted to change my prediction to Scotland if I could, <laughs> but I can't. Um, and yeah, just to, just on just to r- run over those um, predictions leagues before we wrap up. So Chris, you're in the lead with 16 points. He shrugs his shoulders as if it's either effortless or he doesn't care. I think it's probably the latter. Um, and you'd be right. <laughs> I'm in second, and then Jiffy, you're on a team with Jerry Goscott um, and a few others. You're in, you're in third, and then okay. Nick, you both got only one correct result, so you're bringing up the rear. Obviously, it's only week one, and actually, funnily enough, Jiffy, the guys you're on the team with, the person who'll find out who wins is Nigel Owens, who is obviously just behind you, and he'll get all the plaudits if he wins. <laughs> of course he will, as usual. <laughs> Actually, only, one thing before you go, because because that Scotland win felt like a defeat, we sort of glossed over the fact that it's very rare indeed to have three away wins in the Six Nations in the same round, let alone the opening. Now, I've got no idea what the stats are yeah. on it. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's my excuse for predictions being difficult, <laughs> by the way. No, that's a very... <laughs> That is a very good point. And just on the Scotland front, they've now won, is it all four of their last Six Nations openers? 
Mm. Having not won one for about 15 years before that, I think. No, they were four out of six from the past six years. Before that, they were one out of 17. Yeah, they had a shocking record, yeah. Yeah, so, well, there's a there's a bit of a turnaround for you. You can't speak statistics, can you? No. (laughs) I like that stuff, but you guys don't. (laughs) Yeah, well, you should get out more. Just get out more. You're you're young. You're a student. I wasn't watching it, but wasn't there down at... Down Jiffy's part of the world on, on Scrum 5 or something, wasn't there some statistics on the first half against Scotland suggesting that Wales should have been in the lead at half-time? There was an expected, you know, on, on the game, expected score, Sean Holly wasn't his uh, start. There was some computer and he got absolutely smashed for it. So... <laughs> <laughs> I told him, don't worry about it, mate. Don't worry about it. Ignore it. Thick skin. Oh, well, for people worried about AI taking over the world, just look at that then. Because that's yeah. logic. Wales exactly. Have, Wales exactly. would have won by 50 points. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Crazy. Crazy. Yeah. I think there was a thing about AI in a football game where it had like a ball tracking setting on for a football match and one of the linesmen was bald. And the AI tracked the bald guy's head for the entire game instead of the football. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I think there are still some issues with it, um, to say the least. That's probably a more extreme version. Computer says no. Yeah. <laughs> right. On that note, Jiffy, uh, when are you off to Twickenham? Are you going on the Saturday or are you heading up the day before? No, I got a, I got a couple of things on in London on uh, this week, so I'll be up a little bit earlier. And then I'm doing rugby special in Manchester on the Sunday. So yeah, another another busy another busy weekend. But I'm playing golf tomorrow, so the weather's nice. Nice. Well, enjoy your round, and I'm sure it'll be a busy week or busy few couple of months for you. So enjoy yeah. that. Good luck to Wales, but not too much luck on Saturday. Well, you, you have a nice day on the golf course, Jonathan. I'll, I'll be taking the dog to the vet. But there you go. There we are. Good. There we are. You know, I thought, is he taking you to the vet? Or... I was going to say, <laughs> make sure they don't operate on you. I mean, my distemper is terrible at the moment. <laughs> there we are. Well, listen, boys, thanks for having me on, gents. I hope Cheers, to catch Jim. up with you in the Six Nations. Good to yeah, see you, Ash. Thanks for listening to this week's edition of the Rugby Paper Podcast. And don't forget to subscribe on whichever podcast platform you use and recommend the show to your friends. The Rugby Paper is available to buy every Sunday. And to make sure you don't miss it, subscribe through our print, digital, and online options at therugbypaper.co.uk forward slash subscriptions. That's therugbypaper.co.uk forward slash subscription to get all our content for as little as 14p per day.